Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 440. My name is Adam Batters and with me today we've got Kevin Rickstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be taking a look at Master, which is out now on Amazon Prime Video. We'll also be going over some of watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be very helpful. New Save by the 90s. We're recording it tonight, so hopefully that'll be dropping uh, sometime this week, maybe early next week. I've had a lot of life events getting in the way of editing and things, but I'm, I'm hoping to refocus. And it's not just Elden Ring, believe it or not. Other other things happening. It's a shame. Yeah. Anyway, I hope to uh, get that edited and out uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, with that, I believe that we can move into our review for this week. We're talking about Master. This is written and directed by Muramama Diallo. I have a synopsis here. Two African-American women begin to share disturbing experiences at a predominantly white college in New England. This uh, stars Regina Hall in a non-comedic role for her. Uh, yeah. Kevin, we'll, we'll start with you. What were your initial impressions of Master? You know what's interesting? That, sorry to immediately interrupt you, but like I'm looking, <laughs> at, I'm looking at the poster and it says Master, and then behind that, it's like scratched into the wall. Uh-huh. But there's like two little lines at the end that almost make it look like it says Master 2. Is there Master Two coming? I don't. I'm. I don't know. I just, oh boy! It's yeah. secrets. Secrets revealed in a poster. Tagline on this one is: "This school is cursed." It. It is. It very much is. But but yeah, I mean, the school's cursed. But isn't it? Isn't really just like the whole country cursed? Yeah. I mean, isn't yeah. that kind of what we're we're getting at here with this movie? Yes. Yes, I think we're jumping pretty far yeah, ahead. We but are. I did. I. I did. I. I thoroughly enjoyed. I don't know if "enjoyed" is the right word for this, but where this movie went with that, in terms of it's not just the school; it's everything, and it's everywhere, and it just became surprisingly like far more bleak than I was expecting it to go. Even like in the lead up to that, I never mm-hmm. thought it was going to go that route and yeah. become that bleak in a way. But, and then in, of course it can be both ways. It's not entirely bleak. Like it is with the uh, Zoe Renee's character. Who's like the freshman at this Ancaster college where Regina Hall doesn't see it as quite as bleak as she does. So there's kind of, you know, different outlooks and I think that it, that also, uh, yes, you're you're correct with that. And I think also it was like because Regina's Hall, Regina Hall's characters, like she's already been through it. You know, she's on the other side of it, or so she thinks. Yeah, because yeah. she's you know she's put in her time, she's put in the work, and she's dealt with this you know casual racism, this this systemic racism that is that plagues. Uh, not just these these institutions, but just the country as a whole. And I think that she's looking at this new 
position that she's in as like, I'm on the other side of this, you know, like I, I made it, I, I persevered, but as she finds out, you know, there's, there's no getting rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I got to say that like the, the social aspects of this, like the social political uh, undercurrent of this movie, not even undercurrent, but the, the stuff that's on the surface as well is I thought is really phenomenally well done. Now, I could see some people having an issue with it in terms of this isn't <clears throat> really like a full-on horror movie to me. Like it, it dips into it dips its toes into that occasionally throughout, but it seems to be more of the, you know, that sociopolitical thriller. Yeah, yeah, now, something along those lines where it has it's like swifts like. Some horror stuff here and there, but there, yeah, there, not it's a full on horror movie, really. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because there are like supernatural elements to it, but they're they're very uh, very sparse and not really examined with any great detail. Like, there's the whole the whole thing here. This the surface level of this movie is that you have like the synopsis says this historically white college and there's, there's a history here. There's, there was a student who was, was burned for being a witch. And then after this event, um, there, I guess like every several years, I don't know how often, but someone dies, a student dies like under mysterious circumstances. And, and a lot of times it's, isolated to this one specific room and it just happens to be the same room that this, uh, this new, new student Jasmine is, is in. And, you know, she starts to experience some kind of creepy things aside from the rest of the student body being, uh, being racist, you know, without them, yeah. Really, and really think, realizing it, and I think that that's what it comes down to is the you know the the like the school as a whole, whether the faculty and the students and everything, they kind of all place it on this 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 legend of the witch that was burned, you know, Salem era, the witch trials. It, oh, it's the witch, it's the witch. But when it comes down to it, you know, the person that died the first time, which what was the the very first black student they had there yeah hung herself and then the hung herself air quotes and of course jasmine being the new freshman is that they won't come to terms with that it's just racism it's not this witch legend this supernatural thing that's that's killing you know black students at ancaster the racism because even the stuff that jasmine starts to experience you know the 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 students themselves are like oh it's the witch yeah you know because they don't they don't lighting crosses on fire yeah they they don't look at it a a lot of them and the faculty I, i include the the faculty in this too the interactions that regina's hall regina hall's character has with the other faculty members and how 
just they're like, like it's like they don't, it's, they don't know, you know, it's like, they don't realize what they're doing. And it's not that these people are, are inherently racist. It's again, just that kind of systemic racism that they can say things that are inherently racist, but, but they themselves, they don't even realize they're doing it. Yeah. And I like the other side of it that Diallo put in here where it's the, it's the times that we live in now where you have this white liberal space that's trying really hard not to be racist. Right. So they, it's like they go, they go too far. They go way too far in the other direction so that it circles back around. And exactly there, there's one like major plot point that I don't want to spoil, but first of all, I totally called it. I knew, I knew from the very beginning. Yeah. Cause you have that, you have that other faculty member that's always chiming in. Yep. <laughs> you know, I just, I think, like I said, I think some people could be disappointed in terms of it not being, uh, deeply entrenched in horror like yeah horror movie aspects as one might say but i mean it's definitely horror that's more akin to you know real life situations yeah where you know the country is as a whole past present and future but i I, there was actually a part of me that was actually kind of like one once it i noticed that it was steering away completely from you know going down the horror path i was like uh, you know what it's like i actually like this more i think as it is mm-hmm. uh I, I don't know if you've seen the show it's it's also an amazon prime show actually it was them which uh came out last year this this sort of reminds me kind of a, of that show and yeah. I, I liked that show more than than this, uh, but of course they had more time to 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 tell a deeper story. But um, I I didn't really go into this expecting a a, a straight horror movie, so because I, I didn't even see like a trailer for this or anything, so I, I didn't really know. I, I only knew that it was Regina Hall and she was the new master of this like historically white university that's really all i knew so the 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 traditional the lack of traditional horror elements wasn't really a shock to me so i wasn't really disappointed with with that element or that aspect of it either yeah i'm just wondering if people are going into it yeah probably thinking more so like oh this is gonna be yeah like a like a uh like a jordan peele movie yeah, or something which, like that which this is not this is not that no but, but what it is i thought it was very well constructed i agree uh and, and also regina hall in a non-comedic performance here i think she does a phenomenal job I she's thought. she's incredible yeah i i agree she is just incredible i like her in comedy but uh, i think she does a really incredible job in, in drama as well. So everybody uh, like performances across the board, really good. I mean, casting wise, really good. Every time you see Bruce Altman in a role, you're just like, Oh, well we know that he's the dickhead 
and that that holds true here. He's one of the. Uh, yeah, why is that? I think it's just. I think it's a combination of his face and his voice. Yeah, I think you might be right. There's something about him. There's just something about him. He can easily play like, uh, like a dickhead lawyer or yeah, you know. He's always the dickhead businessman. Yeah, yeah, dickhead. He's always got. He's he's always a dickhead that has power and should not. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I thought everybody everybody did did a good job here. Uh it is it, it's interesting. Um I'm I'm going to be talking about another movie in just a little bit that that is like kind of how I felt with this movie but just to the extreme where like there's moments of extreme awkwardness and cringe and you have to imagine that these are these are conversations and and uh and comments that people hear in real life and you're just like oh my god like i i, gen- I genuinely hope that as like Gen Z and maybe even millennials as they start to gain more prominence that we'll, we'll start seeing less of these just awkward conversations and things. Mm-hmm. Although that party scene, that party scene was pretty brutal as far as the cringe yeah. factor. Yeah. That was extremely rough, but yeah, from what I read, this is uh, not entirely, you know, completely based off of her own experience, but it's kind of drawing inspiration from Diallo's experience of going to Yale. Mm. And I think that she, she had been writing it not too long after that experience. I mean, I could totally see that. It just, it seems like any, any any of those Ivy league schools would be really rough for any, any person of color. And I think, and I think that comes across really well here in, in the work is that it feels lived in Mm -hmm. unfortunately oh yeah yeah all nothing nothing feels too like too theatrical too too ridiculous in in the conversations and things it's not like it's it's not like you have overtly racist uh students or anything like that you have some you have some, the, and then some of the, but some my, of the bigger stuff is you're not, you don't know who it is. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. the, there's a couple of things that happen that transpire that are, you know, big deals, but, but it's never come to a resolution as to, you know, who did it. But I think it's just that it's those aspects of it folded in here and there with this just continual onslaught of you said of like casual racism and like microaggressions, like that type of deal where that's just like this steady line throughout. And then you just have some of these big, big things. Yeah. A lot lot of uh, unconscious bias that's happening in this movie as well. And it, it just, it, it really makes you think like I, I'm like coming from a privileged white person, like, movies like this put put certain things into perspective and it helps us see that like 
it's just it's just so shitty for so many people who live their lives with constant uh conversations like this and again it's it doesn't it's not necessarily people overtly and outwardly hating you know perpetuating hate speech or something it's it's the subtle it's the subtle comments and things like that and i like i just know that if it, it i mean it gets under my skin and I'm not even someone who is uh, affected by this in real life. So I, I can't imagine what it must be like on a day-to-day basis for people who, you know, uh, uh, young black students who attend these predominantly white schools or just anybody in situations like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that at the end of the day, like that's, that's where the horror comes from. And that's, that's what really kind of, gets under your skin with this, this movie. And I think that it does come off uh, incredibly well. I I don't think that anything feels too, nothing's preachy. Nothing is too sensationalized or anything like that. I think that it all like presents everything in a really, in a really um, realistic manner. And yeah, I, I, I like it. I like this a lot. I like the setting. Like I like the campus. I think, I don't, I don't know where this was shot, but it's a really great looking campus. I love the buildings. I also the, like the nice little touch at the end. Like you have the the through line of this school trying to be, you know, the more inclusive and the, the radical, radical inclusion. It's not just inclusion. They want to be radical <laughs> about it. Oh, it looks it was, like it was, filmed, you know, it was uh, sorry. It was filmed in Vassar, Vassar College. Okay. Which is, that's the, the aspect of, of it that i like that she included is that you know how they go they go overboard with it it's not that they just want to be inclusive and they're just going to do it you know it's just going to be an action that they do with not much fanfare you know what i mean just hire you know more just hire more people and you know build up your your uh uh it can happen uh, organically yeah, and you don't have to make a big deal about it. You don't have to make videos being like, oh, we're going to be radically inclusive. No, you just do it. Shut yeah, the hell up. Just do it. Just just bring on more students from different backgrounds. Bring on more faculty from diff- like all different races, you know, Which, religions, and, genders, everything. And it, I like how that's the through line, but even as you're kind of assuming, it's like when the faculty gets together, you're like, okay, there's there's – there's two black women, and that's it. And, and like an Asian guy, I think. And then like that's yeah. it. And then there's the nice little touch at the end of this movie, like as the credits are rolling, that the only other time that you see like black uh, like workers of the university. Oh, it's the hell is the guy that yeah is the guy you know picking up the trash, the guy doing the salt on the, the sidewalk, lun- the, the lunch lady. Yeah. That's a, that's the only time you see that that quote unquote radical inclusion. And then you also one other interesting aspect of this is that you have this like uh, almost like a Mennonite community that's like right right next to the school. Yeah. And I, I kind of wish that they dove into that a little bit more. I mean, I, I understand why that was there, but I I kind of. That whole aspect of it intrigued me, and I kind of wanted to see more of that. But I thought that that was a nice little addition, too. 
Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that this is uh, kind of rated so poorly. Is it? I didn't even see like what it what it's got. Oh, I see it's got a four and a half out of ten on IMDb. That's that's like a user score though. So they're those are probably people who are, you know, not okay. not so ex- not expecting what it what it was. I wonder what it has on. Let's see what it has on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, 70, 73 on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, yeah. I mean, jumping ahead to the score, uh, I was going to give this a seven out of ten. So yeah, that's that's in line with the seventy three. I think. Yeah, I give it. I give it a seven and a half. Yeah, there we go. It's on Prime Video. I I could see it bumping up, too. Because, like, the more I think about this, just, like, the construction of it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's quite good. It is. I'm definitely excited to see more from Diallo. Because, I mean, this is a debut feature, by the way. Oh, yeah. And and it's, yeah. It's a good, it's a good feature debut. Yeah. Like, it's, uh. It's pretty short filmmaking. Cool. Uh, let's okay. Let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. I believe it is your turn this week, Kevin. Well, that's good because I only have one, so we can just bang it out. There we go. I can get on with my life. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Cure, nineteen ninety-seven. Kurosawa. Cure. Uh, I don't know if we watched this. I've seen it uh, twice. I, now, this- like I feel like we had to have. Because we were obsessed with um, this. We didn't, so we didn't see it, or I didn't see it back when we first really dove into Asian cinema. I saw it years later. Which and is then, insane to me. They, and then I saw it again when we did, it was a Halloween special on the 90s podcast. Okay. It was, it's crazy to me that we didn't, that this one didn't come up, you know, yeah, during I, our I th- session. I think maybe it was, I just wasn't aware of it. And like, I know that a lot of the movies that we were seeing were like newer, like a few years old. And this one being from 97, maybe that's one of the reasons it didn't come up. But either way, I finally got around to it. And, uh, this, this is so good. Oh, I know, man. <laughs> this is so damn good. Uh, I think the one is right off the bat, you have a, a really, really original storyline here. Like, just the, the him hunting down a quote unquote serial killer that's not really killing anyone, which is phenomenal stuff. It's just great stuff. But I also love how it, like, it slowly gives you more and more. Like, when you're first introduced to this guy, it's really like, Bizarre. Like, we already know, like, a couple murders have happened. We're introduced to this guy. We get a snippet of what he does, like, of his process. And then there's an end result of a murder. And you're like, okay, well, like, what is this guy doing? How does he do it? And then, like, each subsequent uh, interaction that he has with someone... Like, you get a little bit more and a little bit more until it's finally revealed, like, you know, what this what this guy's process is and just the process itself is just something else. And essentially anytime that he's interacting with someone, you're just like, okay, where's the water at? When's he going to pull out the lighter? Mm. Like, how's he going to get him? How's he going to ensnare this person? 
And it just, it becomes really tense in that moment where it's just, I'm essentially like, there's so much tension built around, like, is water going to spill? Is he going to ask to smoke a cigarette? And then you know things are about to kick off. And then uh, outside of that too is the the kind of like mind-wandering visions that people have throughout this. And just the way that they're shot is just exceedingly creepy and just really unnerving in a way that's like kind of hard to put your finger on, but it's just disturbing. And then the way that it ends, I mean, it's just a creepy ass movie that gets under your skin. Yep. It's great. It's a must see. It's, I think, I think it's really one of the best Japanese horror films to date. Yeah. And I think it's a thing that reminded me is Kurosawa as a director. I mean, he like he's got some absolute bangers. Mm-hmm. Like it, the guy keeps going. I have, yeah, I haven't seen a, a ton of his movies. I mean, he he directed Dang. a lot of stuff. That's what I mean. Is like for some reason, like if you were to ask me outside of like me recently watching one of his movies, I probably wouldn't rate him that high. But any. Any like you know the 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 week or two after seeing a movie of his, he immediately jumps up like, oh yeah, this guy. How could I forget fucking Kurosawa? This guy's fucking incredible. Yeah. But then it just wanes for some reason until mm-hmm. I, I finally get around to watching another one. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's great. Uh, all right, so that is Cure. Absolutely recommend checking that one out for sure. If you haven't seen that, I, Somewhat disturbing horror movie that I saw this week was X. This is the new Ty West one. This is playing in theaters right now. So I went to the theater to see this bad boy. And uh, I was very glad that I went because this movie's great. It takes place in 1979. The premise here is that you have a group of uh, filmmakers who rent this uh, this cabin in Texas to shoot a porno. And it turns out that the elderly couple who owns this cabin are not big fans of them shooting a porno there. And Mm. things turn pretty violent. So this is sort of like Ty West's love letter to seventies horror, seventies exploitation. It's a, it's a great like kind of, cross section of of like 70s porn and and texas chainsaw massacre style horror it's great it looks it looks great i don't i i think this was shot on film at least it looks like it was shot on film uh 35 millimeter i believe not not uh kind of wish it was shot on um 16 millimeter really now that would that would really give it that kind of Texas Chainsaw look, but uh, what he does here with the cinematography is is great. There's he uses like some really great looking split screen, uh, and he just nails the the aesthetic. I mean it it's it's really good. So if you're into seventies horror, oh yeah, and it is very violent too, as you might expect. So yeah, I lots would, I would think yeah, lots of uh, lots of blood and guts in this one. I mean, it's not, 
you know, if you're familiar with Ty West's previous films, he's he's more about the slow burn. So a, a huge most of this movie is just a about a group of friends making a porn in this kind of creepy house in Texas. And it's great. Like the thing that, that I think sets his movies apart from somebody like Eli Roth, like Eli Roth, his movies are also, they, they also tend to be slow burns. And the difference here is that with Ty West, all these characters are, were likable. Like they were all, you know, you, you might think that they're like these kind of sleazy seventies porno people, but they were all like friends to each other. They were looking out for each other. They were trying to help out the elderly couple living in the house. Like they were just good people in general. And I think that that goes a long way, especially in a movie like this, where you're spending so much time establishing the characters, establishing the, the, the scenario getting and, and building the conflict. Uh, and it was, it was great. You had Mia Goth in here. She was sort of the lead as Maxine. And then you also had Jenna Ortega, Brittany snow, kid Cuddy, and uh, Martin Henderson and Owen Campbell. So that that's like your kind of central, your core cast there. And it's, yeah, it's, it's great. Highly recommend it. Nice. Um, so I was finishing up my uh, uh, South by Southwest journey this week. And I have a couple that I would like to mention. I saw a bunch of stuff, but uh, I'm just going to kind of give you the highlights here. The first one is Soft and Quiet. Now, if you haven't heard about this movie, uh, I would say go into it. Go into it cold. Uh, I will. What I will tell you is that it's directed by a uh, Beth De Arujo, and it involves a a woman who goes to a a church, which is a where she has like the, it's like the first in what she hopes to be a series of meetings with uh, with women in her her neighborhood. She's trying to like organize this this like group where they can like workshop different ideas and stuff like that, like an after school thing with parents and like kind of like minded women and that's really all I can say about it. Uh, aside from the fact that it is extremely disturbing, it is extremely unnerving. I mean, this movie just shredded my nerves. Like I, I was just, I just was feeling so uncomfortable and uneasy throughout this whole movie. I had a, a knot in my stomach the whole time. It is like an onslaught. It is just so, difficult to watch. Um, and it's all done in a single take. So there's no cuts here either, which makes it even more uncomfortable. And it kind of really accentuates the brutality of what happens in this movie. Um, we do have a written review coming out for this. It should be published by the time you, uh, you're, you're listening to this. Chris, wrote a review and he didn't even give it a score because he didn't feel like it was appropriate to score this movie. And 
it's I can't, that, that's all I can say about it. If you're looking for something that's going to be a very challenging watch, then then give it a look. Blumhouse is putting this out, so this may get like some kind of wide release. But I think mm-hmm. that it is going to really. I mean, everybody's going to be talking about this one. I think. Gotcha. And I'll I'll reiterate. Go into it cold because I literally had. What I what I just told you is exactly what I knew. Like I didn't know anything about it going into it, and that's that's where it like, that's how it hits you. If you already know like the premise going into it, it's not gonna have the same impact at all. So yeah, that's uh, soft and quiet, and it should be coming out at some point later this year. Um, the other one that I would recommend is called Slashback. Uh, this is directed by Nyla uh, Inuksuk. And this takes place in this, uh, this Arctic town where it is, it's daylight all the time there. And you have, uh, a, it, it, it centers on a group of young women who are all, they're all like best friends and they're out you know, just poking around, doing, just living life, you know, being, being, uh, rowdy teens. And they see what turns out to be an alien life form that has crash landed into the, uh, the area. And, uh, this alien starts, uh, like killing animals and, t- and taking over their bodies. And we're looking at like a thing situation here oh boy so it's basically a it's basically like john carpenter's the thing but you have a it's a group of horror movie loving teenagers who are fighting back against the aliens okay yeah that sounds cool yeah it's uh it's really i highly recommend it it's super fun uh it's got an awesome soundtrack uh we think um, it's kind of like, you know, I, I would say it's like a cross. It's, it's sort of like attack the block. Um, and it's also sort of like uh, blood. Uh, was it Qu- blood quantum? Mm. Kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that too. The, the, the effects work is, is pretty fun. Uh, especially when like the aliens start taking over people um, because they're not like, they're not very good at it. It's not like the alien and the thing. And, and by the way, they make lots of references directly to the thing in this too. So it's very, it's very kind of on the nose and like kind of self-referential. Like it knows exactly what it is. And the, the aliens, when they, when they take over human bodies, it's not like in the thing where they like kind of turn into the person. It's more like, they put the person on as a skin suit. So it's like, they're not fooling anybody at all in this. <laughs> like they oh, okay. know. Exactly. So it says kind of like a, what is it? Vincent D'Onofrio and men yeah. black. <laughs> yeah. But even more, even more so yeah. <laughs> it's, yes. yeah. Uh, it's awesome. I, I highly recommend it. I, I'm not sure if this got picked up. I'm absolutely sure that it will, if it hasn't been already, cause it, it is a, a ton of fun. And uh, I, I highly recommend checking this out. Again, it's called Slashback. 
uh, Kevin, you'll you'll like this one a lot. You'll you'll have a yeah, blast with it. Yeah, this sounds fun as hell. Uh, the the final one that I'll mention is the Kids in the Hall comedy punks. This is directed by Reginald Harkema. This is a it's a documentary about Kids in the Hall. I don't have a ton to say about it other than I'm a huge fan of Kids in the Hall, and this sort of reignited my my love for Kids in the Hall. The funny thing about yes. this, now, and I'm sure that you're you're the same as me and I'm, I'm I would venture to guess most people are the same as me where their introduction to kids in the hall was on comedy central. It wasn't when the show was originally airing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is in the documentary, they talk about that and they actually play a lot of like the promos when kids in the hall moved was, was airing reruns on comedy central. And they were talking about how like that, when it, when comedy central started playing it is when like all of a sudden they like had this huge resurgence in popularity because like the, the show was off the air for like several years by the time comedy central started playing it and like their popularity just exploded. And by that time they weren't even like really doing anything. The kids in the hall and then after after you know Comedy Central picked it up and stuff, they they kind of got back together and started touring and doing other stuff. But there's a lot of interesting stuff here. Uh, I didn't realize that they were together for like so long. Like they 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 formed in the early '80s, like 1981. So they've been they've been a comedy troupe for quite a long time. And they also give you a little snippet of the new the new show. So they're, they're making a sixth season of the show. That's going to be on Amazon prime. And the way that they're doing it is it's, it's, they, they said in the, in the documentary that they want to just pick up where they left off, um, at the end of the fifth season and just make it another, it's not like a special, it's not like death comes to town or any kind of like one-off thing that they did in the past. This is just like a proper, season of the show, just picking up where they left off, which is, I think is kind of cool. This also made me go back and, and start to rewatch the series, which the whole series is on prime. So you can, you can watch it. It's interesting because like, I don't find it as funny, I think as I used to, but at the same time, I'm enjoying myself so much watching it. And I think that I appreciate it on a different level. Like, some some of the sketches I think are are still really funny, but a, a lot of them I find to be just more kind of fascinating than laugh out loud funny. Just the fact that you have this like weird, sometimes absurd, nonsensical little bit that they just were somehow able to film and get on TV. And they just didn't give a fuck like nothing, like nothing uh, necessarily went, went together in the show and they just did whatever they wanted. And it didn't it didn't even seem to matter if this sketch worked or not. They just, you know, had an idea, and wanted to shoot it. And there it was. Yeah, I'm at it. I'm going to have to get back into some kids in the hall. Oh yeah. It's, I'm obsessed it, with them. 
I just, uh, yeah, I, I watched them nonstop. Like every summer, every summer on Comedy Central, man, they, they would, it would just be like Kids in the Hall on SNL. And I just, man, I loved Kids in the Hall. I always liked Kids in the Hall more. I always enjoyed that more. Than I did too as SNL. a kid. Well, and, and it's interesting, like, because they were talking about this, and I really didn't even think about this. But in the documentary, they talked about how SNL was always a a spoof on what what like pop culture so like whatever whatever kind of was trendy at the time anything that was in like the 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 zeitgeist is kind of what they would make sketches about you know like politics entertainment all that all of that stuff anything that's that's new and relevant whereas kids in the hall they didn't care about any of that like they were more about people like they wanted to make sketches about families like family dynamic and weird people so there is a something of a timelessness to the show which i think which i think is kind of interesting Uh, the the documentary is fine i mean it, it it has all of them together so it's like more of like a group interview with them which i which actually i kind of like because it allows for like more conversations between the two, between the the group members and and stuff like that. I didn't know, I didn't know this, but like at one point they had a really big falling out with Dave Foley and he was like, not in the, not really in the group and that none of them were talking to him. And it was like just this really toxic type of situation. And they ended up having to sue him to be in the movie, uh, brain candy And like they have all this behind the scenes footage on the set of brain candy and every single one of them look absolutely miserable. Like nobody wanted to be there. Nobody wanted to shoot the movie. It was just like a complete nightmare for them. Like I can't remember who it was, but like, I know at least one of them said it was like the worst. It was the worst job they ever, ever had. It was like one of the worst experiences of their lives. (laughs) So let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. The lost city. That's the only one. Theaters. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I've never even heard it. Oh, okay. You, yeah, I'm sure you yeah, heard this. I, okay. It's got yeah, a generic I name. Knew, I never knew the name of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty generic name. But, you know, this is an action comedy with Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock. I'm sure it's average or best. Uh, on VOD this week, on the... 22nd we have the institute the film this film tells the story of a young couple desperate to have a child to begin treatment at a renowned doctor's secluded facility the couple becomes suspicious when the medical regimen brings on psychological side effects that sounds very similar to that hulu movie that came out uh Last year, the one with Alana Glazer. Oh yeah, I know they're Rosemary's Baby because because I can't think of it. I can't think of it either. Uh, win a trip to Brown Town. That's a really bad looking comedy. We got. I think that the the concept of this is it's a husband and wife, and the wife challenges the husband to lose 50 pounds 
And if he can lose it, then she agrees to do anal. Mm-hmm. So that's uh mm-hmm. but the poster is a little questionable because it's like uh it it has like brown handprints yeah on her on her butt on the outside mm-hmm. of her her skirt yeah and i'm just wondering like wh- what that's all about you know cuz that that's more than just anal at that point like there's when there's when there's actual shit involved yeah maybe 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 that there's more to this movie than what than the trailer yeah maybe maybe he wants yeah. not only the anal part but maybe he wants her to like shit all over him or something maybe i don't want to find out honestly either way i'm not going to see it we also have deep hatred as a horror movie on the 25th, we have Topside. Underneath the streets of New York City, a five-year-old girl and her mother live among a community that is claimed long-abandoned subway tunnels as home. So that seems like it's uh, drawing inspiration from real life. Fat Lip is in it. Fat Lip is in it? Oh, wow. Fat Lip is in it. He plays a guy named John. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, let's see. We also have All My Friends Hate Me. That is a kind of a, a comedy thriller. I didn't, I didn't, that one was okay. We got You're Not My Mother. Uh, that is a horror movie also. King Otto. That looks like it's a documentary. Soccer doc, maybe. Mm-hmm. On Netflix, we have. Uh, love like the falling petals, and I think that's about it for VOD. Blu-ray this week, we got uh, the Godfather trilogy coming out in 4K. Eastern Promises from 2007 coming out in 4K. Nightmare Alley is is coming out. Uh, I was disappointed with that one. We got the Core from 2003. That's going to be on the Shout Factory Selects line. Come Drink With Me from 1966. That's coming out on Arrow. Let's see. Mad Dog Morgan from 1976. La Llorona. This is uh, from 1933. So that's like one of the early ones. Uh, This To Sleep So As To Dream from 1986. That's going to be on Arrow. It looks like there's a whole bunch of these indicator series that are coming out. The Phantom of the Monastery from 1934, A Time for Dying from 1969. Uh, there's some horror movie called 645, which uh, the tagline is Vacation, Die, Repeat. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a some kind of Groundhog Day thing. Eh, that's pretty much it. What about Criterions? We have one. Uh, and that's The Flight of the Phoenix from 1965, directed by Robert Aldrich, James Stewart, Richard Attenborough, Peter Finch, Ernest Borgnine. Oh, yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send 
your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a moment, consider reviewing us on iTunes. We'd very much appreciate that. For Kevin Rickshaw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. <laughs>